This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. Our text that was read earlier came from the 13th chapter in the book of John. Now, I'm not going to read the text again. What I'm going to read for you is a composite in chronological order of Matthew, the 26th chapter, Mark, the 14th chapter, Luke, the 22nd chapter, John, the 13th chapter, and 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. You see, what I did was I condensed into one, all of these texts in a complete narrative that if you listen very carefully, you will see how things actually unfolded during the night of Jesus' last supper with his disciples. Many of us in the church, we think we know exactly how things played out. And so for today's message, I want you to listen to the story as it takes into account all of these texts and see if you can hear and be, more importantly, be there. Reads as thus. When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Are you there? After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit. And he testified, very truly I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. One who is eating with me. The son of man will go as it has been decreed. But woe to that man who betrays him. I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill the passage of scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. I am telling you now before it happens so that when it does happen, you will believe that I am who I am. Very truly I tell you, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. Are you still at the table? His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which one of them He meant, and they began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. They were very sad and began to say to him one after the other, surely you don't mean me, Lord. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. Simon motioned to this disciple and said, ask him which one he means. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked, Lord, who is it? It's one of the twelve. It is the one whom I will give this piece of bread 
when I have dipped it in the dish. The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him if he had not been born. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out. And it was night. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Take this and divide it among you. Drink from it, all of you. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Truly, I tell you, I will not drink again from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And they all drank from it. In the context of the passage and the way that I have read it and the way that I presented it to you, I want to speak a message that I've titled today quite simply, A Bloodless Communion. A Bloodless Communion. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, yours, your spirit is high right now in this church. Stay there. Take us there. Lead us there into the path of righteousness for your name's sake. For yea, though we walk through the valleys of the shadows of death, we will not fear any evil, for thou art with us. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort us. So surely, 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 Goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. And we will dwell in your house forevermore. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There are only two sacraments that are honored in the AME Church. Those two sacraments are baptism and holy communion. They are called sacraments because in the Christian church, we regard these religious ceremonies or rituals as not only visible symbols of the reality of God, but also as a means through which God imparts his grace to every one of us. In the Roman Catholic Church, they regard seven sacraments, namely baptism, confirmation, holy communion, reconciliation, anointing of the sick, holy matrimony, and holy orders. Seven. And as I said before, for us in the AME Church, we only regard two, namely baptism and holy communion. Now, in full disclosure, in full disclosure, the reason why we in the AME Church only recognize the two ceremonial acts of baptism and Holy Communion as sacraments and not all the other seven like our Roman Catholic brothers and sisters is because all seven that the Catholics recognize, out of all seven, there's only two that Jesus himself participated in. 
You guessed it, baptism and Holy Communion. You see, we don't recognize confirmation because Jesus never needed to be confirmed by anyone. We, 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 don't, we don't recognize reconciliation because Jesus never needed to reconcile with anyone. We, we, we don't recognize anointing of the sick because guess what? Jesus never got sick. We don't recognize holy matrimony because Jesus was never married. And we don't recognize holy orders because Jesus wasn't ordained a minister. Jesus is the one that does the ordaining. But Jesus was baptized. And Jesus participated in holy communion. And since these are the only two that he actively participated in, then for us in the AME church, these are the only two that we hold as sacred. If Jesus did it, it's sacred. If Jesus didn't do it, we can honor it. But we don't really regard it as sacred. Is that making sense to everyone? To be clear, it doesn't mean that the others are not meaningful. It's, It's just that these two are sacred, as I said, because Jesus did them and they were both about God. You see, marriage is very important and we call it holy matrimony, But it's not sacred because it's not for God. Marriage is for you. It's so that we can know that we can love each other as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. You see? So when you talk about baptism and holy communion, those are for God. But when we talk about reconciliation, anointing the sick, and confirmation, all these other things, even marriage, it's about us and for other people. So holy communion and baptism are sacred. We don't take them for granted. We don't do them because it's something that we do in the church and it's nice to do. We do it because it represents something meaningful to our relationship with God. So Jesus demonstrated baptism symbolizing our entry into the faith. And Jesus participated in Holy Communion symbolizing our perpetual commitment to the faith. Do you understand that? Baptism initiates us into the faith. Holy communion perpetuates our commitment to the faith. So confirmation, reconciliation, holy matrimony, all of these are all about me. But baptism and holy communion is all about God. Now, holy communion, or more popularly known as the Lord's Supper, commemorates Jesus' last meal with his disciples and it serves as the central act of worship that is practiced by most Christian churches. To participate in Holy Communion means that you are first a believer in Jesus Christ and secondly that you understand the responsibility that comes with your profession of the faith. Anyone can say that they believe but it is the committed disciple that will endeavor to live a life that reflects what they say they believe. This is why the Apostle Paul, when talking about the sacrament of communion, states in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter, whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. See that? Of the Lord. Let a person examine themselves and then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. Not my words. Those are the words of the Apostle Paul. The point is, by participating in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper, you are making a conscious declaration that you are endeavoring to live a life that is worthy of the call of the ministry and proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. It simply means that you're accepting that you have been bought with a price and it was 
costly and that you are willing to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Only you know if you truly believe. So let everyone examine themselves. So here is the scene from our text. Jesus is with his disciples. He's in the upper room, and, and they are about to have their last meal together. Stay with me, church. This is exciting stuff. He, he's about to have his last meal with them. Jesus says to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Eagerly? Before I suffer? What an odd thing to say to the disciples at dinner time. Why would he eagerly desiring to eat this Passover with his disciples, especially before he suffers? Yeah. It's a good question. To answer this question, we have to first understand what the Passover meal represented. To a Jewish person, the Passover feast commemorates Israel's deliverance from slavery in Egypt. In addition, on Passover, Jews also celebrated as the birth of the Jewish nation after being freed by God from captivity. So whenever Jews celebrate Passover, it's about remembering, one, freedom from Egyptian captivity, and secondly, the birth of the Jewish nation. Every Jew today, when they celebrate Passover, they are remembering their, their freedom from Egyptian bondage and the birth of their Jewish nation and identity. But Jesus, longing to have this Passover meal with his disciples, was not really him expressing commemoration of freedom from Egypt or the birth of a nation. No. It was Jesus longing for the freedom from captivity to sin for those who would believe in him and the birth of the church. Let me, let me make it plain. The Passover meal to everyday Jews was a nostalgic activity. A looking back at what was and what God did. The Passover meal to Jesus and his followers was a forward-looking activity to what God was about to do. Passover for the Jew is a what was. Passover for Jesus is a what will be. So when Jesus says, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, was him looking forward to the hope that comes after his death, resurrection, and ascension. This is why he said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me, not do this in remembrance of Israel's deliverance from, Egypt, from slavery in Egypt. And we know this because you can't remember what has not yet happened. Jesus says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. He's still right there. I'm not going to remember what is to happen. I can only remember what had happened. So it was a forward-looking meal for Jesus. Jesus wants us to participate in an act that remembers, not that he suffered and died, but that he rose and ascended. And because of that, you are free from the bondage of sin. And, and, and brothers and sisters, and you can have the hope that no matter how much suffering and persecution you will face in life, if Jesus rose from the dead, so too will you if you just believe. So we understand Jesus' expectation. But the place I want to go with this message, 
goes a bit further than that. And it has to do with Judas. Are y'all still with me? It has to do with Judas. So the text says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified. Very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. One who is eating with me. The son of man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. So, so Jesus took the bread, John. As they were eating, because they were eating other things. He, they were eating other things. And Jesus took the bread and he, he, he broke it. And he gave it to the disciples. And as he was giving them the bread, Look at Jesus. He's giving them the bread. The text says he became troubled in spirit. He's giving the bread, and while he's giving out the bread, he's becoming troubled in spirit. And then he told the disciples, one of you are going to betray me. One that is eating with me is he's giving the bread, right? And one of you, one of you going to betray me. I'm going I'm to give you the bread, and one of you are going to betray me. Now, remember, he was giving the bread to all the disciples so that the disciples now, as they were receiving this bread, couldn't tell which one he's going to be betraying him. He's giving the bread, and he's like, one of you going to betray me. Well, well, which one is it? So, so they're all confused. Who, God? Who, Jesus? You're giving everybody bread. Who, 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 are, who's gonna, who on earth is going to betray you, Jesus? I'm getting frustrated. I can, can you see Peter? Who's going to betray you? So, so now you have this one called John, who's all up under Jesus' grill, all up under his armpits. So Peter says, Peter says to John, since you're all up under his armpits, you ask him which one it is. You ask him, since, since you're all up under his grill, you ask him which one it is. And so John now, under Jesus' armpit, says, who is it, Lord? Because the truth of the matter is you can be so close to Jesus that you can talk to him. And he'll tell you things that he doesn't tell everybody else. So how close are you? Because I'd like to be like John, up all up under his armpits. Are you, are you there in the upper room? So Jesus says to John, it's one of the twelve. Meaning one of y'all that's here. But he clarifies when he says, it's the one whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. So Jesus is now saying, watch what's happening. I'm giving you all bread, but, but when I dip this particular bread in the dish, there is the one, the one that not only, watch the text, the one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me. So are you there? So Jesus dips the bread now into the bowl and the one who's going to betray him also dips his hand into the dish. See? You, 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 you got to be in the room. You got to be in the room. And then Judas now says, you know, while he's dipping his hand in there with Jesus, surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Brothers and sisters, there's a message here for us. Because sometimes when you are trying to pretend and hide behind your religiosity, you want to act like you're closer to Jesus. I hope y'all are in the room. So, so Jesus then gives Judas the bread, thereby confirming the inquiry. But don't miss what happened next. Because I want you in the room. Don't miss what happened next. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan 
entered him. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do it quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. So Judas, because they thought, because Judas had charge of the money, people thought Jesus was just telling him, you know, go, go, go get something that we need for the festival or go give something to the poor. And the text says, as soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. Church, as soon as Judas took the bread, he went out. Judas did not stay for the rest of the communion. Judas left before they drank the wine. This is why I wanted us to read it in the proper order. Look again at the text. Then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. Jesus answered, You have said so. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, What you are about to do, do quickly. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. And right after that, the text says, In the same way, after the supper, the bread, Jesus now took the cup. When he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, this is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. Brothers and sisters, Judas ate the bread, but he did not drink the wine. And why is this important, preacher? Because the bread represents the body that was broken for us. So when we eat the bread, we acknowledge that Jesus suffered for us. And we are charged to remember this is why he died. But the wine, the blood, is for the forgiveness and remission of sin so when Judas left before taking the wine he lost the opportunity to participate in the forgiveness of sin by only taking the bread Judas participated in acknowledging Christ's suffering but by not drinking the wine he had suffering with no forgiveness Meaning Judas had a bloodless communion. Very often, very often, and because of how we participate in this ritual of taking communion in the church, we think that it is all one act after the other. First the bread, then the wine. <laughs> First the bread, then the wine. But the discussion of Judas's betrayal took place between the eating of the bread and the drinking of the wine. And as soon as Judas took the bread, that's when Satan entered him. I don't know if this is making sense to you or if this is a principle or not, but Satan didn't wait for Judas to drink the wine before he entered him. So for you and me and the church, the message is clear. Without the blood of Jesus, you can't resist the devil. 
Did that go over somebody's head? Without the blood of Jesus, you cannot resist the devil. He will wait till you eat the bread, make you act like a Christian. But if you don't take part in the blood, there is no way you can resist him. There's no way he's going to flee for you have no power. For the power is in the blood. As soon as Judas ate the bread, Satan entered him. You see, <laughs> without the blood, you can't resist the devil. So it's not enough for you to eat the bread. Why, church? Why, preacher? Because man shall not live by bread alone. Ah! Man shall not live by the bread alone. And Judas had to learn that lesson. <laughs> For without the wine, there is no remission of sin. No blood. This would explain why Jesus, listen, I love the text because this would explain why Jesus, the text tells us that right after Jesus broke the bread and started sharing it, what did the text say? He was troubled in his spirit. Now you know why. Because he knew what was about to take place. And he's like, I can't make you drink this wine, Judas, but I know what you're about to do. And if only you knew that you need the blood more than you need the bread, you would probably change your ways. But I can't make you come to the cross. I can't make you want salvation. you got to want it for yourself. As much as I want everyone to be saved, I can't make you drink of the blood. Freely you receive, freely give. So, with this in mind, as I get ready to close, let's look again at the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. Whoever, listen carefully now to the text because it should make a lot more sense. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself that is why so many of you are weak and ill and some have died does the text make a lot more sense Right? But if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. Wow. Therefore, when we partake of the Holy Communion, one of only two sacraments of the AME Church, we don't just acknowledge that, that Jesus was spat upon and slapped and beaten and scourged and pierced and crucified when we eat the bread, which represents his broken body. But when we go further to partake of drinking the wine, which represents his blood, which was shed, thereby making it possible for our sins to be forgiven. When I do the communion today, Listen carefully again. The bread represents something and the blood represents something. And it's important. So to believe that Jesus died and not receive the forgiveness of your sin is what I have called a bloodless communion. And when we talk about communion, what are we talking about really? We're talking about having fellowship one with another. 
We're talking about sharing in the sufferings of others. We're talking about loving our neighbor as ourselves. We're talking about living peaceably with each other, and we're not thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to. That's for us to have communion. That's why communion is, that's what it's really all about. So a bloodless communion is to have faith without works, which is dead. A bloodless communion is to look out for your own interests and not the interests of others. A bloodless communion is to hold on to grudges and unforgiveness in your soul. <laughs> and a bloodless communion is to have bread without the wine. Furthermore, to have a bloodless communion is to open the door for Satan to take hold of you and, and, and to make you captive to sin without any chance of finding the peace that you need in your very soul. This is what happened to Judas when he only took the bread. And as he left, the text tells us it was night. To move away from Jesus, who is the light, will always lead us into the darkness of night. So today, as we partake of this most holy celebration that we call Holy Communion, may we not only remember our Lord whose body was broken for us, but may we also drink the wine of his shed blood that we may be assured of our forgiveness of sin. And like all the other disciples, drink all of it. All of it in Jesus' name. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.